let's kick it off then. Let's go. Season two, Azure to the Core. This is Bill Livesey and co-host. Shelly Way. And third wheel producer. Oh, that's me. Sally. That's you. Who do we have today? Who's our special guest? Uh, a really cool dude that I've known for a long time and he was nice enough to say yes to this. I love him. And he has a crazy interesting story. It has to be told. John Kefalukas. Hey, man. Welcome to the How's podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on to kick off season two. I'm honored. And uh, yeah, I love you too, Bill. We go way back. It's, it's uh, Of course, I couldn't say no to doing this. I've known Bill for what, nine years now, something insane. So yeah. my, my very first year at Microsoft, he helped me learn and, and, and grow and you know, I learn all things technology. So uh, least I can do is come on. I'm excited to chat. Just as I started here as a, as a child, John, nine years ago, you were... You were young. You were a younger man nine years ago. I mean, everybody right. was, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Couldn't grow as much. Hair. That I had to like. I used to wear like glasses to meetings with CIOs, so I looked older because I didn't want them to like think I was too young to know what I was talking about. Because I really was too young to know what I was talking about. Um, yeah, it was uh, a lot has been learned over the last nine years. It's been a fun road. And you came in through was it the Microsoft College Hire program or the intern program? Is that how you originally came in, or uh, tech you come Yeah, in so high school. Yeah, so I started in college uh, in the Microsoft retail stores, actually. So very sadly, we closed all of our retail stores during COVID. Um, But I uh, used to be a professional Xbox player when I was when I was younger, you know, middle school and high school became obsessed with Microsoft. I wrote a paper on Bill Gates in seventh grade and fell in love with him. He was like my role model. And I always knew I wanted to work for Microsoft. But I went to a small liberal arts college outside of Chicago, Elmhurst College. And safe to say, Microsoft did not recruit out of that small school compared to the big ones. So uh, the retail stores was, was kind of the way I thought maybe I could find a, a foothold and a way in. And I walked into the store, shook the store manager's hand, introduced myself, and he hired me on the spot, worked there for eight months. I met a guy named Chris Sakalowski. He was a mentor of mine, a vice president in our sales organization. He helped sponsor me through uh, what's called the Mock program, Microsoft Academy for College Hires. Had the hardest decision I think I've made in my career so far. Uh, at this, a week before I joined the College Hire program, I got a job with Xbox Game Studios up in Vancouver, and I was a community manager and a game developer for Gears of War for Xbox, which is the game I nice. played professionally as a kid. It was like a dream job, and I made the tough decision to leave that dream role in Vancouver to come back home to Chicago to join our technology sales organization and state and local government at the time when I was 21. That and must have been a that, tough decision. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was like you're you're 21 years old and that's the time like you're supposed to be selfish and do the things you want to do. My, my mom had some health issues at the time and I really wanted to, you know, it was, it was important for me to get back to family. So I decided to prioritize family and, um, and, and also I have no regrets about it. I think I've been able to bounce back and forth between Xbox and my career, which has been great. So it all ended up working out. But at the time, I thought I was making the worst decision in my life. I'm not going to lie. I've always known you to have just such a great heart. Your experience, you talked about the professional gaming I hopefully I'm not misremembering your history, but it actually had a lot to do with your college, right? Wasn't, wasn't there some college money won? Yeah, that's right. So I uh, I played professionally uh, from 13 to 17 years old and was a, a, a major league gaming professional Gears of War player and was able to make enough money to pay for college with um, scholarships and, and other you know help uh, along the way. But through 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 prize money and sponsorships from being a pro gamer at high school, which back then, like now, it's kind of a popular thing. Back then, no one knew knew what pro gaming was. It was kind of considered a nerdy thing. So I didn't tell anybody I was a pro gamer. But nowadays, it's gotten so popular because of Drake playing with Ninja and Fortnite and things like that. But, I think right. you could take some credit for making it more popular. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all Lazy. because of me. 
Yeah. Blazing the trail. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I wish I could. (laughs) It was cool though. I mean, during those times, I remember thinking like, I'm a part of something that's bigger than myself. And one day this thing's going to be the biggest sport in the world, pro gaming. And I'll be able to tell my grandkids that I was like the first generation of pro gamer in the United States. It's been big in Korea for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the US, those are the the trailblazing kind of early grassroots years. You talk a lot about your family and how your your parents, because you you got involved in it early on, how they supported you, but they also kind of set the ground rules of what you needed to prioritize. That's right. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, you know I, I come from a Greek immigrant family, and um, it's always about studying, getting your heads in the bo- head in the books, and um, that that was the, always the rule with my parents. As long as I maintained straight A's and B's in high school, I could pursue and play as many video games as I want, and I definitely did. Uh, and I learned how to be very efficient. I did all my homework and study all. And somehow I was able to make it through. I got exactly three A's and two B's every single semester, which is the minimum they set for me. And uh, because of that, I was able to pursue pro gaming and they were always really, really supportive. But they definitely certainly did set the set the standard that school comes first and my career comes first. What do your parents think about it now? I mean, do they do they understand it when you were getting into it and let you go do your, your own thing or did they get involved? Um, yeah, uh, they didn't get involved, really, except for the fact that I was too young to travel on my own. Uh, so my mom would fly to me to every tournament. I was so embarrassed because other 17-year-olds could fly by themselves. But she wouldn't let me fly by myself. But outside of that, they didn't get too involved. My mom understood it and was supportive. She she just thought it was just a hobby and you know a fad that would, would go away eventually. My dad did not support it. It was like, what are you doing? Stop playing video games, <laughs> study, get a job. Like, this is not going to work out. But nowadays, they're they're both so proud. I mean, the fact that I was able to turn that I mean, it's the reason I work for Microsoft. My Xbox yep. background is what made me passionate about about Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So they're they're so proud of the fact that I've been able to turn it into like a full blown career. I make a full blown you know salary as a side hustle. I could I could quit my job today at Microsoft and be totally fine with my side hustle of being a professional commentator. Now I'm a I'm a shoutcaster, kind of like Steve Young was a player turned commentator. That's what I do on the side now as well. So it's it's crazy. They're they're really really proud now. As they should be. Uh, some people n- might not understand the whole shoutcaster thing, but literally, I, and, and I was describing it on our on our season finale episode, uh, and really aging myself because at first I said uh, I was like John's like the Bob Costas of, of <laughs> esports. He's, well, he's you know, maybe that's, more. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, he's <laughs> Costas, right? Yeah. I said, well, maybe I'll choose a more uh, relevant or recent reference. He's the Al Michaels. Uh, <laughs> you go the opposite direction there, I think, with that one. I went the wrong way. I always go the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So shoutcasting, it's funny. Uh, shoutcasting itself is a funny word, uh, but literally it's what it sounds like. You shout while you broadcast. I mean, it's it's really high energy. Video games are fast-paced, obviously. You guys have all watched you know, Halo or Call of Duty. Very fast-paced. So you're the oh, one yeah. calling the action, play-by-play commentating. There's all types of roles, though. There's the color commentator, the play-by-play commentator. There's the interviewer, the stage host, the desk host. Uh, I kind of fulfill all of those roles in, in various broadcasts. I do Apex Legends. I did Fortnite, Halo, Gears of War. I've always stayed to the games that I really, really love. Uh, mostly are Xbox games, a little biased on the Microsoft side. Yeah, I travel around the world. I've gone to the Australian Open three times. I've done the Fortnite Summer Smash. I've gone to Mexico City and Paris and London. And I'm going to Romania in a week. I've uh, been at Bali for a tournament. It's been it's been a crazy ride. It's a lot of fun, um, you know, doing what you love to do and, and talking about video games for uh, a side hustle. Built are some so amazing awesome. locations. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad way to travel yeah. either. Yeah. Not a, not yeah, a bad exactly. way to fund a travel habit. Right. That's right. The hard thing is that you go and you sit in a convention center and, and watch video games all weekends. So you don't actually get to enjoy it. <laughs> <That's laughs> and, and then I have my full time job on Microsoft, so like I can't take vacation, and you know, so I pretty much go home right after. I don't actually get to enjoy the uh, the cities as much as I wish I could because I work full time. Most people in the industry don't also have a full time job. I'm the only one that that does both. So, gotcha. 
Yeah, we were just, uh, my family and I, were, we've been watching that Long Way Up, Long Way Down, Long Way Around series, one where Ewan McGregor rides motorcycles all over the world. And uh, he talked about how when he was filming Star Wars and he filmed in Tunisia, which is one of the countries he ends up riding through on one of the specials um, on the motorcycle. It's like, when I was here, film he's like i was filming the whole time i didn't get that's to right. see the country he's like yeah. <laughs> now i actually get to see you know everything that's here and i and uh yeah it's it's kind of different to to go there on vacation versus yeah being there while i was working exactly yeah you are working although sometimes it's hard to consider talking about video games work you know i love it so much it's such a passion of mine um but uh, you are technically working you're indoors you're not doing doing all that but it, it's a crazy industry it's crazy that kids you know predominantly 17 to 25 is kind of the age rate it's starting to steer older now that it's become like a actual tangible career i couldn't have pursued pro gaming it wasn't viable yet the prize money wasn't there yet but now it is um so there are some pros who are like 28 to 30 years old and these people are competing in video game tournaments for hundreds of thousands of dollars it's funny parents all the time will or people will ask like why would you why would you how could you play video games for a living or why would you want to watch someone else play video games but that's quite literally exactly what you do when you watch football or hockey or baseball as you're watching professionals play. And there's um, millions and millions of people that want to watch gamers do that. The League of Legends World Finals and Championships every year has more a better viewership than the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl, which is crazy to think. More people tune in to watch the League of Legends Championship than the Super Bowl. That is crazy. I did not know that fun fact. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's massive. massive. It's because it's global um, and it's accessible yeah. too. Like It's really easy for someone to pick up a $300 Xbox and start competing. Whereas to play hockey or to play football or soccer, it's expensive. So it's a really accessible activity. And it's also like very inclusive. Anyone, you know, male, female, um, no matter what your, if, if you have disabilities, you could still play. Um, doesn't matter what your background is. Uh, so it's a super, super inclusive sport um, or activity for sure. If Circus Atari would have been online, I could have gone pro <laughs> with that you been, you when I was a kid. You could have been Lost a in the Lord of the Balloons on the little paddle board that went back and forth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Could have been me, man. It could have been me. I could have been a Sorry, kid. Bill. I don't know if there was enough depth to Atari or Pong um, <laughs> to make it a sport, but perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. How would I commentate that? It's like he hits the ball. He hits the ball back. And he hit it again. <laughs> And there goes another balloon. Oh, it's a double. It's a double. Oh, and he got the little guy stuck up above the balloons. And it's busted balloons like crazy. You're ready. You should take my job as a shoutcaster. I think you're ready for sure. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about doing what you love. I mean, where this is kind of cool part of this is Shelly and I always say, and Sally, this is the coolest part of our jobs is is doing it's this podcast. Awesome. Absolutely love it. I love, love doing this. So you're both great. Super for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's maybe some of the skills and qualities that you have, you know, maybe apply over, but, but you're doing live broadcast all the time, right? There's, there's a chance to edit out something really stupid that Bill, <laughs> Bill will most likely say. That is true. The live <laughs> so, part is definitely daunting and intimidating. Yeah. I've, done, I've done a lot of like uh, live to tape or tape, tape to tape and things like that as well. But uh, most of what I do is, is live. Uh, it's a lot different when you're live versus when you're not for sure. No, I was just going to say, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that live? Yeah, especially when you're like in, in arenas or stadiums with thousands of people. And, and, and you know, in, in, in esports, you're not like in a booth up in a skybox somewhere like you are in traditional sports. They have you actually on the stage next to where the players are playing. So you see this giant crowd and it's really nerve wracking. I, I don't I don't get as nervous as I used to. And I uh, how I prepare is I actually do um a little routine that I learned from like an early shoutcasting mentor. His name is Josh Gray. He actually worked at Xbox for many years. 
And it's kind of like a theater-esque, like, you know, um, big black bugs bleed blue blood type of uh, thing. And, you, you know, all types of like a theater pre-warm-up type type of activity. And it also right. depends upon, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Amy Cuddy TED Talk, Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are. Just trying to like yeah. be big and smile and it helps you with confidence. And that, that's how I prepare for every single like big moment and big show is uh, with a little routine like that. Do you have any favorite blooper stories where <laughs> things went terribly wrong? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's so many to count. I have so many embarrassing <laughs> stories. It's it's insane because here's reality. Like in gaming, and this might be a good little segue into, into the Azure slash tech talk we're probably gonna have. Yeah. But gaming, it, it's a technological feat because there's 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 so much that can go wrong technically. So all the time, a server crashed and the game had to restart, or the game's not loading, or a player had to go use the bathroom, or whatever whatever you know crazy reason. And, and we're still live on air. They're like, stall. So you need to stall and talk and find things to talk about. And we don't have commercial breaks that we can really throw to. It's The industry hasn't evolved in that way yet. So uh, and a lot usually we're just, you know, on dead air and trying to find things to do. So those, those are probably the funniest bloopers is like moments like that where you're just trying to find something to talk about. Yeah, John, I mean, it's, it's awesome that you were able to take your passion for video games and actually move that into a career. That's people's dreams. Is there... Do you have a favorite game? Do you have one that if you didn't have to study for it or get ready for shoutcast or anything? Is there one that you just like to play? I don't know, just in your spare time. I, with two jobs, I don't think you have much spare time. But <laughs> yeah, spoiler, <laughs> it's Circus Atari. What's your game? What what yeah. do you like to play? I love that question. That's such a hard question for me because I'm like, I'm so torn. Is it like, is it Gears of War, which is the reason I started playing professionally and set me down this trajectory, or is it Halo, which got me into you know, uh, first-person shooters and made me fall in love with Gears of War or SOCOM, which is the first game I competed on. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't have as, I don't have much time to play, and anytime I do play, it, it's prepping for these big tournaments because you have to know your stuff, right? You have to be able to play at a high level to be able to commentate at a high level. So Apex Legends is, is the game I'm playing right now because that's the game I commentate. I love Apex Legends. It's made by Electronic Arts or Respawn Entertainment, um, which is awesome. So I, uh, Apex is the game I'm playing because it's competitive. It fills those juices for games that I just like to kick back and play um and then i don't actually shout cast league of legends is a big one that's the one i talked about earlier it's the most popular game in the world it, it created the free to play but in-game purchases cosmetic kind of business industry theme that's been taking over the industry uh, and i enjoyed just playing with my cousin or friends and just casually playing league of legends so i'd say those like five six games i just mentioned are like my favorite games of all time i'd say that's awesome okay so for someone that's not a gamer and i all of a sudden go like like me and I go, you know what? That's it. I'm joining the. I'm joining. I'm gonna start gaming. I love what's it. A good, what's a good game for me to start with? That's an awesome question. Well, let me ask you a question. People always say like I'm not a gamer because they think of like hardcore gamers. But do you play any games in your phone like Candy Crush or Solitaire or anything like that? I do. I love playing uh, Solitaire, and I'm a Tetris junkie. Oh, you're a gamer. You're one of us. That's the thing. Everyone <laughs> oh my gosh. You're one of us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. What a reality. I'm a gamer uh, as well. 100 percent yeah that's your resume and that's the thing people don't realize like gaming is so broad and inclusive and, and like i mentioned that uh people are gamers not even realizing it. yeah solitaire or candy crush or anything like that is is the same thing it's the same industry but if you want to get into like hardcore gaming it's always like you start on mobile and, and phone so candy crush and games like that and then you go over to like an xbox or a playstation a console or a nintendo um my my fiance actually and this is what when i realized i have to propose to her and she's a keeper for Valentine's Day this year, she said, hey, I don't want anything for Valentine's Day. Can you just buy me Harry Potter, the video game? I said, absolutely, oh, yes. My goodness. Um, yeah, so Harry Potter, <laughs> for Harry Potter fan, Sally, is a great one. It's like very immersive, story-focused. If you like Harry Potter, 
Uh, the Sims is another really, really fun one. It's a simulation oh. Sims world. It's been around for a while. I remember that Roll, Roller coaster tycoon and games like that are, are good ways to kind of like segue into gaming. And then uh, Minecraft and Fortnite and probably the best one to like really segue is uh, Fall Guys. It's a really, really fun game where you're just basically running through obstacle courses and you're like this oh, I played that blob of a character. Fun. Yeah, that's a yeah. fun one too. So. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Wendy's and nephew love that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right, sold. Are you able to draw on the all the things from the gaming industry? I mean, I really feel like a lot of cloud was born out of necessity in the gaming industry, not just the compute and storage, but also the social aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And I actually realized I didn't do a, a formal introduction, but my, my so for, uh, for those who are listening, I made it this far because of gaming. My full-time <laughs> role at Microsoft, I'm a strategic client director covering our strategic gaming vertical. So basically... We have two what are called strategic or marquee gaming customers who are big players in the space. And, and I, I support both of them as like kind of like the account executive or like the account director. So I have purview over the entire Microsoft technology stack and I sell them or help them deploy solutions across the Microsoft technology stacks. That's obviously Azure is the biggest part of that and the, the entirety of the Azure solution suite, but then also things like Microsoft 365 and Teams and Power Platform and Surface and our security solutions. And, and things like that. So that's my full-time role. And Azure is the reason that we are investing significantly in the gaming vertical and why we've kind of prioritized the gaming vertical as its own subset or uh, or industry vertical. I cover Epic Games and Electronic Arts, which is funny because I mentioned some of my favorite games of all time. Gears of War was an Epic game. Fortnite was what propelled me into being kind of a tier one shoutcaster. And Fall Guys, which is also in my Epic Games, is one of my favorite games casually to play. And then Apex Legends, the game I love right now and shoutcast, is an EA title. So to answer your question, Bill, absolutely, you know, being a shoutcaster, my gaming background has helped significantly with my full-time role. One, because I understand the industry space, game development. I worked as a game developer at the Coalition when I was in Vancouver. I worked on Gears of War. And two, I understand from like a fan and customer point of view, you know, how, how the expectations of consumers, delivery release cycles, every three months you have to ship a new season, otherwise you're going to lose the fan base. And, and gamers expect this content to keep on coming. But this content pipeline and delivery pipeline is really difficult to, to deliver on. You have these really fast engineering cycles, and it's 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 honestly daunting. There's there's a ton of work that goes into game development, and uh, it really is bleeding edge. I think there's a general adage that says like if you can make it work in cloud computing or in Azure for gaming customers in the gaming vertical, it'll work for every other customer because they are pushing Azure and our cloud services to the limit every single day with insanely innovative things that they're trying to do with uh, really, really, you know, high GPUs, SKUs that are needed to kind of match consumer grade GPUs, you know, cores and, and, and CPU performance. You need to have really, really performant uh, SKUs and infrastructure to be able to power game development because games are, are so CPU intensive. So it's really, really interesting. So really, we can we can credit the gaming industry for really helping improve cloud infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll, you know, I'm not sure if it's okay to talk about other cloud solutions on this podcast is that is that all right uh in the landscape all fair fair game okay. yeah absolutely awesome it's yeah and so amazon amazon i think the, the reason aws a big reason the aws had had such a significant kind of leg up early in the early years of cloud computing one they obviously they started first with their you know their, their data centers and their retail stores to power the retail stores but two they actually prioritized gaming customers and almost every gaming customer was was using aws because like, like i said they are bleeding edge so the gaming industry were the first industry to move to the cloud, to like go all in with cloud in early, early like 2012, 2013, because they needed the best and the latest and greatest. 
And that's what helped propel AWS to be, um, you know, a leading cloud provider in the early years. And obviously, since then, we've caught up. We've also kind of prioritized the gaming industry. So, yeah, in, in a way, Shelley, I think you absolutely can kind of credit the gaming industry for why cloud computing has progressed in such a significant way. What kind of innovations do you see happening? You know, what, what kind of trends are you seeing? Yeah, AI. <laughs> <laughs> How is AI? That little one. <laughs> that little one. Yeah, it's interesting. AI is absolutely gonna gonna impact, and that's a, that's a, the heart of the discussion. We're all talking about that. So I'm not gonna spend a ton of time there because it's you guys probably talk a lot about that, and you're going to a lot this season. But yes, AI to help with those dev cycles, um, shorten those dev cycles. AI for content generation are, is a huge trend. Like, how could we use AI to, to to create assets in a game rather than a developer having to code a truck into a game? Can mm. AI automatically place that truck in that game, and and you can just say change it to blue, and now the the, the truck is blue. Whereas before in the dev cycle, you have to have an engineer code it into the game through an, an engine like Unreal Engine, and then you have to send it to an artist to do the art on top of that engineering work to make it look pretty to then ship it for a game. Can AI shorten that cycle? So so content generation is big, code development and code generation. So things like GitHub Copilot, I think is going to help just developers be more productive. That's that's an obvious one. That's that's true against every industry. And then the biggest thing for AI is can be cognitive services. So I think where you're going to see games develop is like gaming is a is a really fun social activity, but not everyone has friends that they game with. Like some people are, you know, maybe their, their friends don't game or they don't have any friends to game with. So imagine a co-pilot for gaming. Imagine a world where you have an AI friend that is your is your AI generated buddy that can learn your interests and you could play with, and you could talk to, and you could play multiplayer with them, or you can play campaign, you know, co-op with them. That's a really interesting area. Cognitive services all up, text-to-speech, speech-to-text to power NPCs, non-playable characters. So like the characters yeah. in the game that you interact with, that's another space. I think that's another huge trend. So I just rattled off like 15. That's the shoutcaster in me. I talk really fast. But uh, that, those are a bunch of areas, I think, that uh, are, are common trends right now around AI. I have a lot of thoughts on all those, but I couldn't keep mm -hmm. up with, with all of them. <laughs> I was actually going to say, I was actually going to say, as long as the AI leaves the NPCs alone, because I think there's a whole, there's kind of this whole industry now around NPCs, like this whole social industry. Have you seen there's like TikTok videos and stuff where people are, making money dressing up as the npcs from their favorite games and i did see that yes i just I think that'll be like a again. trend you know I don't, I don't know that's probably not going to be yeah income for the next 20 years but yes jump on it while it's hot <laughs> that's right for now tiktokers that are they're making money pretending to be robots and saying things for you it's crazy to be that, that exists yeah it, it's uh <laughs> the, the internet is a, is a scary place for sure <laughs> Won't be long before they have the AI doing that too. The AI will just be doing it all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, exactly. The copilot's interesting though. You, you know, I mean, one thing too. It's like, hey, maybe you haven't met anybody, or maybe you're just a little bit attentive or afraid. But if you started playing with a copilot and you got used to that, maybe a little bit before you expose yourself to the big bad world of. That's that 13 year old who's down in his mom and dad's base has all the time in the world to play. <laughs> has I'm all the time in the game, and I'm struggling now against these these youngins. It's uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's about, oh, yeah, yeah. interesting. Is like AI has been in games for a long time. You could load into a game of Gears of War in 2008 and play against bots. Unreal Tournament, you know, in 1998, oh, and you could play against bots. You could play against AI. It's the same thing. So it's been around for a very very long time. Obviously, like you know, ChatGPT and how much AI has progressed yeah. is going to help. But the biggest thing that's a challenge, I think, to the gaming industry is like the business model behind it, because it's really, really expensive to uh, to, to compute and, and engineer this, these AI into your games. 
Are you going to charge for AI? Like, what's the business model going to be? I think those are all really interesting questions that you need to solve for. You mentioned bad actors. A lot of bad actors out there. Yep. Security has also, you know, been a big part of gaming and how we think about that. What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. In the same way that I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, the, the gaming industry, if you make it work for the gaming industry, you can work for any other industry. I think gaming is also helping pave the way from a security point of view. If you look at or even Microsoft internally, uh, I think we publish things publicly on this, Lizard Squad and the Xbox hacks and the DDoS attacks that Xbox were under like 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, for those that don't remember, Lizard Squad was a, 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 a bad actor group or entity that basically ruined Christmas for a bunch of kids because they, they shut down Xbox servers on, on Christmas Day. Can you believe that? That's so helped. rude. That's right. That scenario helped us uh, with inline DDoS and DDoS in Azure and helped us actually understand how to better protect against DDoS for the rest of our Microsoft services. So we're constantly learning from our Xbox organization in a significant way. And I think from a security point of view, gaming companies, Electronic Arts and Epic Games and Fortnite are some of the most targeted and attacked companies in the world. Uh, Xbox and Microsoft. Microsoft is, I think we've, we say this publicly, one of those attacked organizations in the world. And a big part of that is because of Xbox and how often Xbox is attacked. So security is, is paramount. It's a really, really important topic. There's also like the whole dark web and cheat codes and how uh, hackers and, 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 and cheaters are ruining the gaming experience for so many people. The ability to like auto lock headshots in games and see through walls. So it's a really, really tough, tough topic for sure. Mm. It's amazing how much, honestly, that that the gaming industry is ahead of or has impacted so much of what's going on. It's just that's something that you maybe don't always think about. You might always think that, hey, maybe everything's coming out of, you know, the needs of large government organizations or huge industries that that have these great needs. But it, I feel like for a long time, gaming has been shaping where we are today and, and kind of continues to to shape the future. It's a pretty yeah. cool place you're in. <laughs> yeah. You, you chose wisely. They say live in the dream, you know, that gets overused a lot, but I feel like you really are living the dream, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, you want to be in and yeah. Yeah, it's a dream come true. I mean, to Sally's point earlier, not everyone gets to kind of turn their passion into profession and um y'all have schools reach out and ask me to talk to kids about, you know, career in gaming or in tech. And that's uh that's like the theme of the PowerPoint I present is you're turning passion right. into profession and it's it's uh Everyone wants to try and do that, and everyone gets to. So I'm super blessed and fortunate to be in the position I'm in, for sure. Those like same paths aren't necessarily there anymore. So that people probably ask you, it's like, well, hey, how can I be John Lucas <laughs> someday? It's like, well, I'm a master. combination of hard work, a combination of what was there at the time. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, but that's all changed. You kind of got to forge your own path. I would imagine that's one of the things you talk about with kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. And yeah, and Shelly, to your question, like, how do I be a shotgun? So I get that one all the time. Or how do I work in games? Or yeah, it's a, it's a much different path now. I think for your own path, yes, the ways to tangibly do that that didn't exist when I was around is TikTok, Instagram, short form content. There's there's such an open opportunity. I think the American dream has never been quote unquote American dream has never been more alive than it is now with the ability to like start your own show, start your own podcast, start creating content start putting reels of you shoutcasting on the internet. And if you're good and you know, you'll get noticed, I think there really certainly is a, a, it's a different path than me. I, my path was pro gamer retired because I couldn't make a career out of it. My parents told me to stop playing video games and go to college, started shoutcasting at hotel ballroom events for free because I just loved gears award. I missed it and wanted to find a way to stay involved with the community 
And then, oh, wait a minute, Gears of War got bought by Microsoft, the Gears Pro Circuit launched, and they needed shoutcasters, and I was the first one in line, obviously. So I kind of fell into it in, in right place, right time. But for someone today, there's a bajillion people, and it's not, you can't just fall into it in the same way. So you have to definitely forge your own path, and, but there's a lot of opportunity to do so with being discovered online now nowadays. I think I saw this on your Instagram account, but you had a phrase that I really liked. Be a feather in the wind and let it fly and see where it takes you. That's such a great way of um, philosophy of, of, of thinking about it. You don't have to have this super scripted out, you know, here's my path because it's going to change all the time. Be open to new opportunities. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's the Forrest Gump quote, right? You'd be like a feather in the wind, see where it, see where it takes you. My, uh, I mentioned I mentioned earlier, Chris, Chris Sakalowski actually said that to me really early in my career because I had all these tough career decisions. I was like, I leave this, this Xbox dream job and come back into sales and if I didn't embrace that feather in the wind analogy and just kind of letting life take you to certain places and being open-minded to new experiences, running towards fear, running towards accountability and responsibility. I mean, I was 21 years old managing a, a sales quota of $38, $45 million a year that I had to generate for Microsoft. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was so nervous going into every single you know technology meeting with CIOs and government organizations. But if I didn't kind of embrace that methodology of just running towards responsibility and new, new experiences... And like an aggressive pursuit of experience acquisition, I wouldn't be where I'm at today for sure. Did I ever say anything smart to you that you remember? You mentioned Chris <laughs> quite a bit, but I just yeah, I didn't mention Chris. I was trying to think, man. We got, we got, we got Brett Woods. We got Scott Elvitson. We got the old, the old crew that learned a lot of wisdom. Okay, smart, smart. Yeah, I can see why you. You probably, if I said anything. It probably shouldn't have paid attention. So, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember you being the ni- the nicest guy that made me feel so welcome. I can't remember anything anything specific. Oh, and then the nicest so covered- well, actually. <laughs> That's right. We didn't cover any any accounts together. I don't think so. We'd have like mentor kind of one on one. We'd help you ramp like every few months, I think. But we didn't actually get a chance to work together day to day, which is a bummer. But no. you're always in Indiana, covering the Indiana area. Yeah. Yes, indeed. You missed out on the right. brilliance of Bill Livesey. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he dodged the bullet. This is going to be sort of yeah. a half description. Yeah. If you taught me anything is how to how to uh, how to handle coworker relationships and treat people and not like be super formal about you know coworker relationships. I used to go to meetings for sure and think like I had to be like buttoned up and you just kind of taught me to, to peel the onion back and don't be afraid to be vulnerable at work. That was really cool. That's full of advice right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, something in that. Yeah, I'm not. There's some nice for you to Still my attitude to this day for that one in the memory bank, but I do remember that. I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's, there was in there somewhere. It was hidden behind, you know, behind all the trauma. But, uh, just... The trauma was having to, you know, as a mock, I, I uh, used to get, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it's public. It's not that bad. That bad. I used to get, uh, I used to know all, all our coworkers' Starbucks orders and get them oh, Starbucks on our, just some of our sales. Terrible, thing. right? <laughs> that was more of a sales thing, though. I wanted to I wanted to be the, be the brown noser a little bit. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, so let's go. Let's uh, end on something personal. I understand you have a dog. You 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 love dogs. Is yeah, I correct? do. I've been actually okay. petting my dog during this podcast. He's a little uh-huh. needy. Yeah, two 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 dogs. You did the research. Okay. It's impressive. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> He's so the one co- that does the research. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Very important for interviews. The prep work that goes to the broadcast. I know all about it. I come into this just like I went into all those meetings we went into together, John. Just Head floating in the clouds, ready to have <laughs> a conversation. It's all good. I'm just the McGat Matthew McConaughey of sales, man. 
<laughs> Sally has a dog as well that she takes for a walk like four or five yes. times a day. Baby Bo. His name is Bo. Yeah. It's oh. huge. Yeah. Big, a big dog, I must say. What type of dog is that, Sally? Uh, he is a chocolate lab and he's uh, 110 pounds. What? Chocolate labs could be 110. I thought those were mid sized dogs. Yeah. It's uh, normally it's crazy. He's some. He's a very special giant dog, um, but yes, as Shelley said, I do walk him somewhere between three and five times a day. Oh, that's awesome! And that's cool. I I refer to him as my personal trainer. <laughs> that's actually you, you don't go to, you don't yeah. go to the gym. That's that's how you stay in shape. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> he is my he's my gym. He's basically my psychiatrist and my personal trainer. He gets me up when I'm having a frustrated time. I think he senses it. He comes over. He's like, "Let's go, lady." Out, I, love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. I, I, uh, so we have, we have two dogs, uh, Nico and Teddy, both are nice, strong Greek names accidentally, actually, but they, uh, both rescues. I highly recommend if someone's looking for a dog, obviously no judgment if you don't rescue a dog, but a lot of dogs need to be rescued. So go to your local animal shelter. Uh, one is a, he's a pit bull mix with a, a little bit of lab. And then the other one is, is one that was just behind me. You saw for those that are on video is a great Pyrenees mix with a little bit of Australian shepherd and a bunch of like different herding dogs. He's massive too. He's a, he's 100 and 108. So similar in size to you, Sally, uh, oh, the other one's wow. a mid size, like 45 pound dog. They keep us, they keep us busy, but I will say I had dogs growing up and then I didn't have a dog for a while. My dog, actually when I was at SLG with you, state local government bill, my childhood dog passed away when we were at, was it ISU? I, what was the, whatever the name of our annual yes, conference whatever was. that event was yeah i, I believe the industry we were, solutions university yes university something like that it was in now uh, we were yes. in washington dc and I, it was like during a conference event for microsoft i had to like That's go right. upstairs and bawl my eyes out um, but didn't have a dog after that for a while and i for, i gotta say i forgot how uh, amazing it is how much joy a dog brings to your life so i'm happy that we uh we, we adopted and I eventually got um, your makeup and stuff off my shirt. I mean, I was glad to be a, a shoulder <laughs> that you could cry on. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 He was, Bill was there in that moment, yeah. 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 And then he's always in shoutcaster mode. So, yeah, he's just like right. full on ready to go all the time. It was like, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Makeup done. Exactly. Get things on camera. Yeah. <laughs> Quick Instagram reel. All that good stuff. Exactly. Shelly, Bill, do you have some animals? Dogs? We have a fat cat on our side. Yeah, His name is nice. Sheldon, Dr. Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. Shout out to my little brother, actually, who I saw this weekend and he brought his uh, puggle rescue. He rescued a puggle that uh, came from a really hard home uh, and the pictures are, they actually will make you cry when you see the pictures oh, of, of how this dog was kept. Yeah. Oh. So, but he's super healthy and, and her name is Roxy. Sorry. She's, she's super healthy. She's super happy now and, and also sh shout out to my little bro. Yeah. You know, Martin's <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice job. Yes. I don't currently have any dogs or cats, but I like, I like them both very much. Nice. Maybe in the live vicariously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To the exactly. rest of us. Hey, it all starts. We, we, we actually mm -hmm. fail fostered, uh, Nico, the, the big one, the 108 pound. I was like, I'm not getting a dog that's 108 pounds. And then we fostered him. And of course, three <laughs> months later we adopted him. So if you want to start, Shelly, uh, fostering yeah. is a good way to start. Oh, I, I totally agree. I have a good friend, Jamie, who, um, she also was a fail. She, her first foster, she adopted him. And that's an awesome <laughs> exactly yeah. our German Shepherd. It's a great dog. Always works out that way. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start gaming, and Shelly's gonna yes. get a rescue. Yep, exactly. That's what a monumental hour spent. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now that's I know what a shoutcaster is. I didn't. I had to look that up. It's like, <laughs> sure. I don't know. I'll never forget in my life is the funniest thing. It's actually a command in my Twitch chat when I stream. Exclamation point shoutcaster is the command. 
I, I had someone at Microsoft, I won't name names, who was like a senior marketing leader in, X, in not Xbox, in our Microsoft store organization, who okay. learned the word shoutcaster for the first time. And I sent like a long email trying to pitch her on some event uh-huh. or like some social media post. I think she ran uh-huh. her social media or mar- marketing. And she responded, the only thing she responded with was shoutcaster. Ha, that's a funny word. And didn't say anything else in the email. <laughs> so that was like our meme. You just that's coined a funny word. phrase. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, like I made yeah. the phrase up or something. It's, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know how the word started in esports, but it did like. Somebody clean. had to come up with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder who did. Yeah, I, really I don't know. I don't know. That makes sense. on the Wikipedia page. It wasn't it who, who no. invented the word shout. Yeah, it makes sense though. It really does. It's adequate. Ooh, came up with it. It's yeah, good. Yeah. It's good. Yes. All right. It was a huge pleasure having you here, buddy. I appreciate that's it, man. Super fun. It's yeah, good shot. Good shot. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate y'all bringing me on. It was really nice meeting you, John. Thanks so much. You too, Sally. Thanks for having me. Bill, take us home. Wrap us up. That was it. We're going to do oh, that right it. that. Oh, I'll cut man. it together was... really nicely. I'm about to say I could have done like a whole like shoutcaster outro, you know? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I... this has been... Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that'd be kind of fun, actually. If you want to, do it. Do it. <laughs> you want to do right. it? Give yeah. us a shoutcaster outro. Bloopers, shoutcaster outro. I'm going to get into tryhard shoutcasting mode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching. Azure to the Core podcast, hosted, co-hosted by Bill Lindsay, Shelly Way, and Sally DeBoer. My name is John Kefalukas, also known as Fallout. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Azure to the Core. We'll catch you next time for Season 2, Episode 2. Boom! I love that. Yeah, That's I awesome! That was yeah. sweet. Uh, could you just come and outro every episode for us and intro? Uh, and host <laughs> I will do it I will do it I will do an intro that you guys can just reuse like you know they have like a random guy be like welcome to and I'm happy to do that record like a little one line one now would be so, can we do that <laughs> oh.